What's up, everybody? My name is Lindsey Melton Jr. Thank you for lending me your ears, your heart, and your mind. This is the True North Collective Podcast. What up, everybody? Hey, uh, this episode, I recorded me speaking into one of or speaking at one of the youth services that we do. And uh, so this recording is definitely raw and unedited, but still, uh, it's still spirit led. So make sure you comment and subscribe and like and share after this is over. Let's go. Sweet, sweet. So uh, what is uh, what's your favorite Christmas carol? Not Christmas song, Christmas carol. There's a difference. Like Christmas song is like all I want is you by Mariah Carey. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about Christmas Carol. Like No Silent Night, those kind. Does anybody have any? Jingle Bell. We'll, we'll, we'll take that in consideration. Drummer Boy. I know somebody. I know somebody at this church that doesn't like the Drummer Boy, the little Drummer Boy. Yeah, I'll have to point you out to him on the way upstairs. I will call him out. You're not a fan of it either. I am a fan of it. I, Homie. I think Justin Bieber's Christmas album is all together. Okay, you have to hear the Sheen Country Sing Drummer Boy before you say you don't like it. Okay, Justin Bieber's um, Drummer Boy. Have you heard that one? I have not. Send it to me. What about on this side of the room? Do y'all have a favorite Christmas carol? And it's the Jingle Bells. Do you really like that? Or you just... Can you say that? What about you? Yeah? Do you have one? No. You like all of them? You like some of them? My favorite is, uh, is Oh Come All You Faithful. Oh, I, yeah, but like good. really, I like the part when it like we just fast forward and get straight to "Oh Come Let Us Adore You." That's like that's I like that. It is. No, that's that's heavy. It's good. It's like I like that because it's a story. It feels like a story. Oh, come on, <clears throat> so, like uh, like every town in this great country, the U.S. of A. Um, uh, our, our, my hometown, we have a Christmas parade. Uh, I think it's already happened. I don't know. I have to check with you right now. Let's see. Uh, but like, I remember, um, being in middle school and high school, I was in band in middle school and high school. So I would, uh, we would march every year. And, uh, just the way we was always, um, blessed, I think it was because we was the home school, <clears throat> but the way the parade route, uh, worked, um, pretty much we like, we only had like, to, we only had to march like maybe half. So it was pretty easy. But um, the way it worked out, every year we always did the same Christmas medley. I think it was because our band director hated marching in parades. So, like, when he found one thing that worked freshman year, he just, like, kept that. He's like, yeah, we just want to redo this every year. And so it was, like, it was a bunch of songs all mixed together. But there was 14 seconds within the way the music was written. We would play um, O Come, All You Faithful. And it was really cool because... The way it built up is this nice crescendo of drums and brass, just, I mean, like, just killing it. I loved it. 
I mean, uh, I played snare. So I played other percussion too, but snare is my favorite. And um, uh, the way the parade route or parade route worked, excuse me, when we get to that 14 measures of O Come All You Faithful, it was right in front of the judge's stand, which was right in front of the courthouse. Now, being the homeschool, we didn't get judged. So, but still, we went to perform and like show all our friends, like, hey, look what we do. So, you don't make fun of us too much. But I loved it. And what was cool about it was like, it's just, and if, if, you, if you know what a medley is, I mean, it's a mixture of songs. So you have all these songs going right after the other, right after the other. And then just 14 seconds of the percussion drops out, the brass drops out, um, color guard, they're not spinning anything or twirling anything or doing whatever it is they did. Um, <clears throat> and it's just the woodwinds, just the woodwinds playing just very softly, um, oh, come let us adore him. But it was really cool, like you have all this being built up and then it just drops off and you can hear the footsteps of everybody marching in sync, not out of sync. You can hear everybody marching in sync. You can hear all the inhaling and exhaling of everybody. And even the crowd dies down because it's just so pretty. And this was my favorite 14 seconds every year. Why? Because in that moment, man, I felt the presence of God. I'm just walking out there. I'm like, it's cold. Jesus, that's you. Woo! Get chill bumps, and then right at 13 measures, you count back in three, two, four, and then we go right back into something else. But it was so cool. And from that moment on, that's why Ocum Let Us Adore Him was my favorite. So it makes me think of um, Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible tonight, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Um, I heard a youth pastor refer to it this way um, The New Testament has four biographies of Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Tonight we are going to be in the biography written by Luke, chapter 2, New Living Translation. <clears throat> if you don't have a Bible, it's all good. We'll put it on the screen, or the person beside you will share, hopefully. What's the title of your message tonight? Oh, tonight I'm going to talk about, Oh, come, let us adore him. Forever. Forever. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know. I was more of a family matters guy. <laughs> Forever. Whenever I think, what? Uh, we're going to start in verse 3. Um, but whenever I hear the word forever, I think about uh, the sand lot when the kid was like, forever. How long is the boss to go to the fence? Forever. And anytime I see the word or hear the word forever, I think um, like there's a few worship songs we've sung here lately where like the word forever is in it. And as Crystal is singing or somebody's singing, like in my head, even though I'm playing, I see their mouth and I'm hearing forever. And I have to look down because I'm like, that's not what they're saying. And I'm about to laugh and I don't want to look disrespectful. So that's one of the reasons I look down. Because I don't need to look down. I mean, all of our stuff is like good. But I'm like, I got to keep it. got to keep straight face. Okay. So Luke chapter 2, verse 3, starting in verse 3 in the New Living Translation. says this. Verse 3 says, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census and became Joseph, or excuse me, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who is now obviously pregnant, 
And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly. I like that. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. <clears throat> that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Verse 10, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Verse 12, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Last verse, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So I'm trying to be like very calm because I've had coffee. And like whenever I have coffee, I'm like ready to go. And we're mixing coffee with Jesus and the word. And like we have a lot of scripture tonight. So that's a recipe for me to just just really like just jump over the whole first row. So I'm, I'm going to be... Be contained. Okay. But tonight I want to talk about um, Oh Come, Let Us Adore Him Forever. Somebody say forever. Forever. So I like this because has anybody ever read this story or heard this story before? The real Christmas story, what we just read? Has anybody heard it? Yeah, we all have heard it. That's awesome. So I like the part in the story where heaven invites man to go see Jesus and adore him. When the angels, when it says the host of angels, you think about that from this perspective, heaven is inviting man to go and see God in the flesh. To go see Jesus. What an awesome invitation. So it makes me think, obviously, of the song, O Come, All You Faithful, i.e., O Come, Let Us Adore Him. Why? Because God is more than worthy of your adoration. He's more than worthy of your attention. He's more than deserving of being your number one priority. Amen? Why? Because he's good. Because simply he's good. We used to, uh, growing up, when I was a real little kid, because they, they stopped singing it. I don't know why, but. Anyways, when I was a real little kid, my, my grandmother and older seasoned saints in my dad's church, they would sing the song that would, uh, literally the words would say, uh, if, he, if he never does another thing for me, um, he's done enough. And as a kid, you know, I'll be like, what? No. <laughs> we won't got to keep doing stuff, y'all. Like, I, got, I don't know what y'all, I, I won't keep moving. Like, y'all over here saying, we're, we're good, we're, si we're satisfied. And I remember growing up and I was like, no sense. Like, why would you say that? Like, why would you say that? I still and over time, I realized that God is so good that what he's already done is enough to carry you for the rest of your life. Proof is the cross. Mm. Let that marinate. Well, from the marination jar right there. Proof is the cross. Proof is the cross. So, um, last week we talked about how the season that we are currently in right after Thanksgiving is over, uh, according to the calendar for this year, December 2nd through all the way to December 24th is the season called, does anybody know? Advent. Advent. Yo, don't raise your hands. Well, hey. Least, least, least Sorry, you buddy. knew. Least you knew. What season is it called? Advent. Advent. Does anybody know what Advent means? Preparation, that's one. <laughs> they try, they try. 
bad bit to encourage people to be able and to be to be be prepared. It's all about hope. It's all about hope. Is that is that me? Yeah. yeah. Whoa! Look at this. I was like, when you was reading, I was like, man, that's good. <laughs> Appreciate that, Jesus. <laughs> like, man, that's good. I don't remember Wikipedia having that. Yeah. So Advent, it's meant to celebrate the three comings of Jesus. Obviously, one, when he came to Bethlehem. Two, when he comes and makes his home in our hearts. And then three, when he comes again at the end of time. So we use these next four weeks to celebrate, one, to remind ourselves he came to Bethlehem. Why did he come? We celebrate that. But then also we want to remember, okay, he lives inside of us. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. When it comes to the song, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, I want to focus on that word, adore. Now, the dictionary defines adore as two definitions. One, the impossibility of picturing a life without someone by your side. Just think about that for a minute. The impossibility of picturing someone or the possibility of pitching a life without someone by your side. And then number two, obviously, is worship. Someone say worship. 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 What's great about worship is worship is not a slow song. Come on. Worship is not a slow song. It's not even a fast song. The entirety of worship cannot be defined by one song. It can't be defined by a million songs. Every song that Hillsong has wrote, every song that Bethel's wrote, Elevation, the Gaither Group, Kurt Franklin, throw all of them together in a pot, and that still cannot be the entirety of worship. It's not the entirety of worship. In fact, I don't know if you noticed, but um, I think it was uh, maybe a month ago, um, right when we was getting ready to start our worship portion of the service, I had Caitlin to explain what is worship, and she said worship is a lifestyle. And I said, exactly. Therefore, we are going to partake uh, we are going to respond to God by singing. That's how we're going to worship tonight, by singing. But you got to think about this. In a relationship, if you've ever been in a relationship, or you're going to be, or whatever it is, there's this thing called love languages. And what that means is you and I, we recognize love in different ways other than the phrase, I love you. There's different ways to say love. There's, you, can say, you can say, I love somebody by words of affirmation or gifts or time spent, or two other love languages. If you don't know them, you can always look them up on Google. We ain't gonna get into them. But when it comes to worshiping, it's the same way. There's different ways to worship. There's different ways to speak to God how much you love him. I love the way Michael Todd says this. He defines worship as, worship is, <clears throat> oh, 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 do we have it up there? Yeah. Worship is our love expressed to God as a response to his grace towards us. I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to read as many times as I want. We got time. Worship is our love expressed to God. It's our love. Our love expressed to God as a response towards his grace or to his grace towards us. So that means that we can choose to respond to God's grace. We can choose to respond to what he did at the cross for us in any way we choose to. Whether that's through singing, whether that's through speaking, whether that's through being a, a faithful student, whether that's through not cheating on a test, whether that's through making sure that my conversations on Snapchat or Instagram are, are holy and don't lead me down a wrong path, whether that's making sure my browser history is safe, whether that's making sure I hang out with the right people after school, making that sure that I have the right kind of, converse, uh, kind of conversation. Any way you want to, you can worship God. You can choose to respond to what he did at the cross by the way you live your life. By the way you live your life. 
by holding your head up and not believing in insecurities. I'm responding to the way God, what he did for me at the cross. Think of it this way. In a conversation, someone's speaking to you. What are you going to do? You're going to respond. God's already spoke by sending Jesus to Bethlehem, to the cross, and now sits at the Father. How are you going to respond? Today, how did you respond to what he did? What did your conversation look like at lunch, at the cafeteria? How did you respond to God's overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love? How did you respond to that? How did you respond in your Snapchat conversations? How did you respond in, uh, on Instagram? How did you respond with the events that you did last week or two weeks ago or a month ago? You hear what I'm saying? Every portion of your life, every, every ounce of your life should be a response to God's goodness. The question is, how are you responding to it? And what's cool about God is he's not like us. <clears throat> what I mean by that is like if Kelsey says something to me and I don't say nothing, she may say it again. Same tone. If I don't respond, hey, then that's when the tone elevates. But it's not just Kelsey. Me, I'm the same way. I'm going to say something to you. Then I'm going to give you the benefit of that. Like, okay, you didn't hear me. So let me make sure you hear me so that I'm going to throw a little bass in it. Because if I throw all my bass, then you're going to get scared. But it's okay. You know? I got that going for me. That's the only thing I got. Externally, I don't look like a scary guy. But on the phone, I sound like a scary dude. <laughs> it's awesome. <clears throat> no, we have children. <laughs> um, but eventually, like, because you're not responding, my aggression is going to build. For God, instead of his aggression, his patience is going to build. Well, they didn't, they didn't really seek me today. It's okay, though. I still love them. I'm going to wait for them tomorrow. Okay, well, you know, they decided to spend time with their friends instead of spending time with me or decided to acknowledge somebody else for this when really is. It's okay. It's okay because my love is still sufficient. My grace is still sufficient. My, my peace is still sufficient. I'm still there for I still will be there even when their friends leave, even when their phone dies, even when school is being trashed. I will still be there. Why? Because he is not like your best friend. He's not like your mom. He's not like your dad. He's not like any family. He's not like any person on the earth. In fact, we're trying to be like him. That's, that's how awesome he is. And we get the invitation from heaven to worship him, to respond to his goodness, to respond to his grace. Crazy thing is, though, there is a, there is a conjunction within that whole statement. Everybody say, but. When it comes to worship, worship is a choice. We can sing, go come, let us adore him. We can, we can feel the presence of God in worship, but at the same time, it's a choice. It's a choice you have to make. It is a choice you have to make. Someone say choice. choice. So I want to give you some stats real quick. A recent survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, Pew, like church, Pew. Because when I first saw it, I was like, ah, oh, I went killing mode. I was like, ew, Pew. But it was actually <clears throat> A recent survey conducted by the Pew Research Center found that the rise of the nuns ha has grown to 23% of American adults. Now, if you don't know what that word nun, not like a Catholic nun, not N-U-N, but N-O-N-E-S. And what that means is there, is there is a group of people in America that do not identify with God or any religion or any spiritual presence at all. Now, what's, what's crazy about this is not only do they exist, but in the 1930s and 40s, the nuns were only at about 5% of this country. 
1990, they went from 5% to 8%, which isn't bad because that's only 50 years. It's only 50 years. It'll only go up 3%. But then it gets, it gets wild. You ready? From 1990 to 2008, in just 18 years, it rose from 8% to 15%. In 2012, it rose from 15 to 19%. And as of three years ago, the number of Americans that don't identify with any spiritual presence at all is 33%. And that's just three years ago. That means one out of every four Americans does not only does not identify with the goodness of God, but they don't think any religion is an option. But not only has the rise of these people that claim nothing has increased, but people that were part of the faith that are leaving the faith has increased as well. That means people that are coming to church and, ah, it's not for me, I'm out. Or people that grew up in church and like, ah, I found another way, I'm out. And it was scary to believe that it could be somebody that's sitting beside you. You don't know what holds in the future, what kind of incident that the devil will throw their way that will cause them to totally walk away from God. But what's crazy is the nuns, it wasn't like they decided one day. It wasn't like somebody decided one day, woke up in the morning, I will stop believing in God. It wasn't that obvious. It wasn't that official. Because every big decision, every major decision has a million other factors like Lego blocks building upon each other into something colossal to the point that something breaks. Every big decision you make in your life, not even just the big decisions, even the smaller ones. You think about what you wore tonight. Why'd you wear what you wore? You know what I mean? Then another question, well, why did that happen? And then why did that happen? Why did that happen? Why? You get a million different factors can be traced to just one decision. A million different factors can be traced to one decision. That's why it's so important to understand this, that, okay, God's grace is there. He's already spoke. How do I respond to that? Even if I don't feel like it, how do I respond to that thing? So now that I'm giving you some stats, I'm going to give you two steps. Two steps. Everybody say two steps. <laughs> two steps. And then, we, and then we done. You caught that. And that wasn't in the notes, but when I said it, I was like, oh, my brain is going. Two steps. You ready? Two steps in order for you to not become one of the, uh, not, not to fall into the category of, uh, of the nuns, of the people that don't claim anything. Before I give you these two steps, let me tell you this. Statistics have proven also that the group of Americans that do not claim Jesus, do not claim God, do not claim any religion, so to speak, they have outpassed, when it comes to their number, they have outpassed the largest religion ever, which is Catholicism, which is Catholics. America has recorded these group of people as the fastest growing non-religion religion, so to speak. And that's scary. So two steps. Number one, in order to avoid this, in order to fall, not fall into this category, number one is meditation. Somebody say meditation. Meditation. I'm going to give you some scriptures. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it for you real quick because of time. Psalms 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth. I love this. I pray it all the time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my redeemer, my strength. All right. Psalms 119, verse 15. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Philippians 4, verse 8. This is what Paul says. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. 
fits your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What you meditate on, what you focus on, what you focus on. We said earlier in the year when we did a sermon series, we talked about the direction you go, the way your feet go is determined by what you think in your heart. And what you think in your heart is only uh, your heart only believes what it sees, what you're constantly focusing on, what you're constantly receiving, what you're constantly allowing your friends to tell you or constantly seeing on social media or constantly seeing other people do. What you see, that's the direction your heart's going to go and the way your life is going to go. That's why David said, I have to, he would pray, say, Lord, check what I'm thinking about. Check what I'm speaking about. Check what I'm hearing. And if it's not like you, totally erase it. I love it because there's one part in Psalms where he says, Lord, search my heart. Know my ways. Know everything I think. Know everything I talk. Know how, know my reasoning for everything. Search it. If it doesn't line up with you, remove it. Number two, everybody say association. Association. I love this one. I could camp on this forever. Association. Does anybody know what association means? It's okay. I got you. Who you rolling with? Thank you. Jenna was like, wow, okay, yeah. Your association, who you are hanging out with, who you are associating with. Oh, got him. Let me give you some scriptures real quick. I'll read them. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13, 20, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. This, this next one. This next one's good. I... I, the person beside you say this next verse is good. Like I'm talking about kick your mama and then apologize later. Good. Proverbs 22 verse 24 and 25. Listen, if you're taking notes, put fire emojis by this one or draw a bunch of stars or whatever you got to do. Because I did. Proverbs 22, 24 and 25 says... Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot temper people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Let me run that back. Coffee's in me. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot temper people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. The very thing that Jesus saved, you can put in danger by the people that you are hanging out with, by the people that you are snapping, by the people that you are talking to, by the people you sit with at lunch, by your association. Bad company corrupts good people. And then my favorite, Acts chapter 27, verses 23 and 24. If you know me, you've heard me preach this scripture. As soon as I say it, you're going to be like, yeah, I know this one. But you need to know it again. Paul, right before Paul goes to Rome, it says this. A prophet says, for this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me and said, stop being afraid, Paul. Look at the person beside you and say, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of being yourself. I'm going to tell you all that tonight. That's not in the notes, but I feel the Spirit of God say, stop being afraid to be yourself. But the prophet said, stop being afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and watch this. And behold, God has given you the lives of all of those who are supposed to sail in your boat. If you aren't sailing with the people that God has put in your boat, you're going the wrong direction and you're wasting your time. I could preach on that all day, but I'm just going to, let me, let me prove it to you. I'll give you two examples. Anybody ever heard of Jonah? Jonah and Paul, both of them sailed in the boat. The only thing is Jonah sailed with the wrong people. 
and he found himself in the belly of a well for three days. Paul sailed with the right people and ended up writing the two-thirds of the New Testament. There's, that's the power of your association. That's the power of who you hang out with. We think we need everybody to like us. We think we need everybody to want us. We think we need everybody to desire us. You don't need everybody. Obviously, you need God. And then, second, you need God to tell you who you need to be hanging with. It will change your life. If I was, when I was in high school, if I would have hung out with the right people that God put in my boat, I could have saved myself a lot of trouble. I'm talking about like life or death instances. Why? Because there's power in your association. Heaven is inviting you every day to adore, to worship, to picture our God, to picture the, the fact that you are with him, to the, the fact that he would go and you would never have him in your life as an impossible situation, as an impossible reality. Heaven is inviting us to, to be in love with our Savior. The question is, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to respond to it by being the, the type of friend that sticks closer than a brother? Or a sister, since there's no boys in here. I just realized that. Jesus. <laughs> Are we going to respond to God's goodness, God's grace, God's overwhelming, never ending, reckless love? Are we going to respond to what He did at the cross by being obedient to our parents, by being faithful students, by by not setting ourselves up for disaster? You know that your failures and success are dependent upon who you hang out with. Because who you hang out with will influence you to either fail or succeed. There's such a heavy call on every person in this room. It's so heavy that the devil will do anything he's got to do to get you to not only not believe God, but not believe anything. And he's just out there. But just like I said earlier, me and my wife, we can talk to each other and if one of us don't respond, one of us make it aggressive, most likely it's going to be because I'm like, yo girl, hey, hey. God's not like that. God's going to be like, okay, it's cool. I'll just wait tomorrow. Okay, it's cool. I'll, just, I'll wait another day. Because in the New Testament it talks about, he says, don't count don't count uh, the days and the, the weeks and the years of me still staying in heaven and not coming. Don't count them as me being slapped, but count them as me being long-suffering. But count them as me being patient because he wants every ounce of your heart. Every ounce, not just half, not just a third. He wants every ounce. That means all the insecurities that come with it. That means all the, the struggles that come with it. That means all the problems, all the woes. He wants every ounce of that. And that's what we get to do when we worship. Not just sing, not just lift our hands, but when we're just living. When we wake up in the morning, we're like, Lord, I worship you. I give you my life today. I give you, I give you the problems. Lord, I do not want to go to school today. I give you why I don't want to go to school. You know why? He wants those things. He wants your problems. He wants your woes. He wants your insecurities. He wants, he wants the very things that you are concerned about. Why? Because his shoulders are strong enough to bear them. If he can bear the cross, he can bear you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, thank you so much. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening. Listen, make sure you go on iTunes or SoundCloud, like um, this episode, like the channel, uh, subscribe if you aren't already, share it. Um, and uh, hopefully, man, hopefully this spoke to you. I really, I really pray that it did. Um, so definitely can't wait to, uh, to see whatever God's going to do in your life. Um, I know he's going to do something. Question is, do you know it? And if you really do know it, then let your actions show it. All right, be blessed. Holla to you next week.